I have this little uh, app and it has, if you click on the screen, you hear the woman saying shame. And if you, uh, if you shake the device, you hear the bell. <laughs> so right now <laughs> you can hear the bell and I hit it and it's like, shame, shame. Yeah. Shame. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I like used how to they do used, like uh, different recordings for each press. Yes. Yes. I like it too. I used to use it on our cats. <laughs> so if the cats did something bad, I would ring, I'd use the app and I'd ring the bell and I'd say, shame, shame. And, uh. and the cats, I mean, they don't understand. <laughs> they just kind of look at it confusingly like, okay, okay, guy. Maybe you should combine it with um, like a spray bottle. And so they learn <laughs> to associate shame with uh, the spray bottle. Oh, that that's a magnificent idea. Then eventually, like, they'll just, like, run away and stop doing it when they, when they hear the shame bell. Actually, that's a that's a great idea for a product is that you have a water bottle that has a little button on it that plays a pre-recorded sound <laughs> and have it where you can have it where you can configure the sound that plays uh-huh. for the water bottle. So, I mean, very Pavlovian. Yep. <laughs> I want to do this. <laughs> Welcome to Aliens Land Here. This will be primarily a follow-up episode, I think, unless... On Tuesday, Mark came by again. We originally thought Monday, but that didn't work out. And he played some more games. So we get to talk about games again. I'm sure all of the people who listen to our podcast exclusively for Tesla will be yelling at us now. (laughs) all the tesla people leave all the apple people leave everybody leaves uh two episodes from now when we're talking about uh i don't know planetary migration when we actually talk about the feasibility of aliens and other cultures yeah then then all our normal listeners will leave yeah we dedicate a whole episode to the drake equation (laughs) so the first thing that Mark tried was uh, the PC version of Doom, since he had been playing it on the Xbox instead. And unfortunately, despite having a 980 Ti, it didn't seem to be running as well as I was hoping, but I'm not sure if that really affected things too much. I mean, it didn't really affect the feel of Doom in general, because... Uh, when I played Doom as a kid, I mean, the first PC I had that it could actually play Doom was a 386. So I had to play on low quality. Yeah, postage stamp. Yep. <laughs> well, not a full postage stamp, thankfully. But it was low quality. It was the screen was shrunk down a couple sizes. And on top of that, it would still end up chugging. <laughs> so, I mean, I... Uh, it is almost nostalgic to play a version of Doom that is slow. <laughs> uh, so what did you think of the PC version versus the Xbox version? I mean, realistically, it still doesn't feel doomy in that same kind of way in that it's still it's still a dark game. It still feels more Quake-like to me than Doom-like with all of the weapons and the mouse look and the whole 3D thing. The only thing that really feels Doom-like is the fact that there is a map, whereas uh, Quake really didn't have a map at all. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I, I still think it feels sort of Doomy to me. 
but maybe that's just because I don't play Doom itself regularly anymore. I mean, I realize with Doom is that uh, what makes Doom Doom to a lot of people is a Rorschach test. For a lot of people, Doom is a fast-paced, go-through-as-many-enemies-as-possible, shoot-em-up game. For other people, Doom is a horror game that uh, if you're playing it on easy mode and you are uh, you only run into a few enemies at a time and those enemies kind of end up surprising you and ambushing you. Mm. For me, it's more of the fast-paced game because uh, eventually when I started getting good at Doom, I would be playing it on ultra-violent mode. Well, then the 2016 Doom is like that, though. It is fast-paced. Yeah, it is, it is fast-paced, but it's not... Uh, it's like it's not lots and lots of dumb enemies. It's not like how um not how I've heard Serious Samus where you have a whole whole lot of enemies and you're pretty much trying to manage herds and herds of enemies. I still can't believe you haven't played Serious Sam. Okay, it's something okay, I'm going to commit to it. I'm going to give Serious Sam a shot and then uh at some point we'll uh, talk about <laughs> it in follow up. There we go. More <laughs> video game follow up. Yeah, I also wish we had time to have shown you the VR Serious Sam, since that also is hordes of enemies. I'm afraid that uh, I'd be moving around too fast, and I'd end up getting sick because of it. No, you can't really move around. It's more of a stay-in-place shooter. Oh, hmm. Okay. I mean, it's pretty much... uh, (laughs) It's just so similar between the PC and the Xbox. It's like, okay, I'm not that surprised with it the main difference is the controls you liked it better though i assume with the mouse yeah it's a lot better with a mouse i mean it feels right with a mouse any first person shooter feels right with a mouse and one of the things i really hate is with uh you know console gaming being so huge that uh, so many people play games now with a controller mm-hmm. rather than a mouse and i hope that uh with xbox getting keyboard and mouse support that uh, there will be more people on xbox playing you know games like call of duty with a mouse and a keyboard my son actually requested playing fortnite on a console i'm like what is wrong with you <sighs> this is how we know we're doomed as a generation yeah this will be the end of humanity okay uh you're gonna have to use that shame bell app on your son <laughs> <laughs> I don't have the the spray attached to it yet. <laughs> Every time your son does a Fortnite dance, you use the spray water at him. Oh and say man! Shame. He he does that floss dance all the time. <laughs> oh, I was just kidding. He actually does them. Yes. Wow. <laughs> all of the kids do. Okay, moving on. <laughs> I uh, I ended up trying Donut County. And I enjoyed it enough that I also put it on my son's phone, and he also enjoyed it. And my daughter played parts of some levels on my phone. The story is ridiculous. (laughs) Yeah, I really enjoyed the story in that. The raccoon doesn't want to take blame for anything. (laughs) Uh, My only complaint is that you can't really skip the story at all. Yeah, it's it's a lot of dialogue. Yeah. So, I mean, Tanya's trying to play it, and she's like, I don't want to read this. I just want to play the game. <laughs> and click, click, click. And then there's one part in the game where they're sending text messages to each other. Isn't that like the intro? Uh, It's not just the intro. There's other parts of the game where they're sending text messages. Okay, I haven't gotten there yet. 
Yeah. And she's like, what the hell? What do I, what do I do here? I'm like, press the button. So she presses the rubber ducky button. Oh. And of course, yeah, she's like, okay, this isn't going on. Press the other button. But I like the rubber ducky. Yeah. Well, I'm kind of annoyed that uh, they stop sending rubber duckies to you after a while. Aw. You just want infinite rubber duckies? I just want infinite rubber duckies. So, I mean, uh, play mechanic-wise, do you think this is the type of play mechanic where there can be a whole lot more games based off of this sort of thing? Or do you think there's kind of a limited appeal to it? I'm not entirely sure how many things you can put in a hole that then goes and affects the environment in other ways. I mean, they got somewhat clever about it. I don't know if this is a spoiler or not. Uh, here. But you can go and do things like drain water into the hole uh, to clear out an area, and then it gets... Bit, it gets sucked out by a bird, and then there's another one where you have a snake coming out of the hole that you use to thwack things, uh, things like that. And I'm not sure how many other hole-related objects you can put in there uh, that can affect the gameplay. <laughs> what I realistically want to see is I want to see a variant of this game where the hole keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger and you're sucking up continents. Kind of like the end of Katamari where you end up sucking up everything. I want to see something like that in Donut County. And I mean, hey, the next game can be called Donut Country. Yeah, we mentioned that last time. Donut Universe. Donut Universe. (laughs) You get sucked into a black hole. (laughs) I mean, that could be a game in itself. You're a black hole and you're supposed to uh, suck up surrounding stars and planets and whatnot. Yeah, that could be fun. I I guess. It would be a lot more difficult to have uh, something coming out of the hole to... uh, affect the environment direct your hawking radiation (laughs) i knew you'd go there (laughs) of course (laughs) yes your game obviously has to follow the laws of physics otherwise it's going to get a poor review could be a vr game (laughs) the only problem is that uh when you're doing if your perspective is from the event horizon the game would never end (laughs) yeah so you zoom in and the effects of time dilation come into effect. Exactly. I kind of like it. <laughs> Why is my game frozen? <laughs> have you ever played uh, Osmos? Yes. Out of curiosity. I have. It. Yeah, it's kind of like how in Osmos you can uh, swipe to either speed it up or slow it down. Mm-hmm. In this game you have it, the closer you get to the black hole, the more it speeds up. How far did you end up getting in Donut County? Not very far. I'm, I'm like four or five levels in. Okay. It's not a particularly long game. Okay. So, uh, have you gone through the actual Trashopedia? Uh, I looked at it a little bit. Because the descriptions there are pretty funny. So, it is actually worth going through and seeing for each level what you ended up pulling in. (laughs) I love seeing when the level's complete, how you see somebody, the person that you were supposed to suck in, falling into the chasm. Yeah. Yeah. It's also sort of weird how you start at level nine. Yeah, I found that weird too. Well, actually what it is is that it it denotes that, uh, you know, oh, when I get to level 10, I'll get my quadcopter. Kind of denoting the fact that the raccoon had been doing stuff before. So it's like, yeah, sure. But hey, there are other games where you don't start on level one. That's true. Yeah, I mean, Final Fantasy IV, your character started, I think, level 10. They just want to indicate that you are not a noob. (laughs) 
They want to indicate that your character didn't end up poofing into existence the moment you started the game. Mm. Kind of like that theory that the universe is only five minutes old and you have no way of knowing it because mm-hmm. your memories were put in your brain that way. I've also thought about that, like where, well, what if uh, I'm actually just a random combination of uh, particles that just happen to form in this particular instant and it'll be gone in the very next instant. They just associated randomly like that in the middle of a star. Oh God, don't, don't do this. Don't give me an existential crisis in the middle of the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) These are the kinds of things that keep me up at night. Yeah, me too. Uh, anything else you want to add about Donut County? Aside from giving me an existential crisis. <laughs> Besides that? I th- I think that, like, it's just sort of weird playing a game that's so fundamentally simple gameplay-wise, but has this outrageous amount of polish, like, and, and surrounding everything else. Like, the production values on it are, like, way higher than its gameplay would <laughs> indicate (laughs) well i mean you see isn't there a movie studio logo that shows when you first start the game like anna purina oh maybe i didn't pay attention uh sort of like the production values of um there's a youtube review channel called uh inside the box and they review board games and Hmm. all of their board game reviews are like some sort of story that they have like where they effectively get like sucked into the game and the production values for it are like way higher than they really should be i mean they're still like they're they're still like around like monty python kind of level but still (laughs) well i mean who knew there would be such a demand for uh board game reviewers yeah they they have they don't think they have that many um, that that many viewers, but it's enough that I guess they can support a Patreon. And I think the guy that edits it also does like effects in Hollywood or like video effects in Hollywood or something. Fair enough. Realistically, you don't need a whole lot of viewers in order to have support for the channel. You just need a bunch of really really enthusiastic viewers. Yeah. If if you haven't seen it, I'd suggest looking at the their Game of Thrones review um but if you haven't seen it i really suggest that you do link in the show notes we'll get them another three or four views here so uh should we move on to the oculus stuff one of the things that is very popular in vr is a game called job simulator and the general idea is that it's in the future and robots have basically taken over everything but they know that people want to feel useful And so they've created simulations of jobs of the past, but they didn't quite get it just right. And so there's lots of little things that are just a little bit off. And you go through these jobs. One of them is like an office worker. Another is an auto mechanic. Another is a chef. And you get tasks to do assigned by your robot overlords. (laughs) Uh, I didn't get to try the auto mechanic one. I got to try the office worker and the chef. And what did you think of being a VR chef? Um, I like what I like about the game is being able to be as malicious as possible while still getting my job done. (laughs) You want to give an example? Okay. So uh, there was one part within the chef mission where he's supposed to make tea and crumpets. So 
you have to look around and you have to find the uh, kettle. And it's like, okay, wash out the kettle. Well, um, the sink has soap. So you go ahead and you put soap in the kettle and you rinse it out. And you're supposed to put soap in there again. What I decide to do instead is I just decide to put soap within the kettle and then not rinse it out and then just fill it up with water. So it's pretty much soapy water. Yes. <laughs> and then and then when it comes to put the when it comes time to put the uh, stove on, I put it on the stove, I put the tea bag in. And uh, then I pour out the water and I try and make sure to not even fill it up all the way. <laughs> I try and give them a little, little tiny bit of my soap tea and then put it on the uh, put it on the plate in order to send it out to the robots, which I guess apparently robots can consume tea. I think they just throw it in a big dumpster. Oh, OK. Yeah. And then when it comes time for the crumpets, <laughs> when it times come for the or when it comes time for the crumpets, um, you toast them. So you go ahead and you put them in a toaster. Well, in my case, I decide to try and fully load the toaster as much as I can. So instead of two crumpets in there, I try shoving in four to see if I can jam the toaster. <laughs> and no, I wasn't able to jam the toaster, but I burnt the crumpets to a crisp <laughs> and put it on the plate and sent it out. And they were fine with that. Um, so I noticed like I played it, but I wasn't able to see if you can even fail in the game or how you're able to be graded or anything like that. How I does that work? I do not believe that there is any grading at all. <laughs> so if you meet the bare minimum for submitting your jobs, you pass and you go on. Oh, I love that so much. And then there was the there was a part with the blender. Mm-hmm. Will it blend? Yeah, will it blend? So there was a potted cactus next to the blender. So I decided to I decided to pick up the potted cactus and put it in the blender and see if it'll blend. And sure enough, it blended. And it became so, part of your smoothie. Yeah, it became part of my smoothie. So I guess I gave the robots a fruit and cactus and ceramic smoothie. I can't remember if I put soap in that too, but I hope I did. <laughs> my main impression watching watching you is like, you seemed like you just couldn't stop giggling for every little action that you made. <laughs> right. I mean, it. Uh, I find that I like games that can bring out my malevolence. So when it came to uh, Donut County, you know, the last thing we were talking about, I like the idea of pretty much sucking up people's businesses and all <laughs> of them into the hall. And it's like, destroy, destroy, die, die. <laughs> uh, they don't die in Donut County. But still, just uh, pretty much wreaking havoc on an area is kind of fun. Like when I was a kid and I played SimCity, I would always end up getting the disasters and, you know, destroying the city. So in Job Simulator, you're not doing something as grandiose. You're not, um, you know, you're not destroying a city and you're not, uh, you're not wrecking buildings or anything, but you're instead, you're doing a regular kind of job. And here I am thinking, how can I do this the poorest way possible and still get by and pass the mission? Which makes Job Simulator really, really fun for me. <laughs> then there was the office job. In the office job, the game starts out 
and uh, you end up getting coffee and donuts in the beginning of the uh, the office simulator. <laughs> so what I do is instead of eating a whole donut, I eat half of all the donuts and I put them back in. Your robot coworkers will be displeased. Yeah. Yes, I was the office jerk in this game. <laughs> What would be really a, what would be really kind of funny and terrible is uh, if in that game you can end up going to the break room, and the break room has people's lunches, and you end up eating other people's lunches. <laughs> That's for the sequel. Yeah. Well, see, it enables me to do all of the terrible, terrible things that I don't feel I can do in real life. <laughs> and you're not really you're not really hurting anybody over it. You're just you're uh, you're hurting the robot overlords' feelings, but they don't have feelings, so it's okay. But yeah, I had a f- ton of fun with Job Simulator, and it really really makes me want to have VR now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the that's the uh, VR game that my kids spend the most time in. Uh, what's uh, what's your favorite cartridge, and what's their favorite cartridge? I don't know. I I kind of like the chef though the auto mechanic has some really amusing things like there's various fluids to put in the car and you can go and just like drink these fluids what wow like (laughs) the oil or whatever you can do wacky things with it and whatnot you know it'd be kind of funny in that game is that if you eat something that you're not supposed to it ends up getting distorted and fuzzy and if you and you could have tested that with the the bottle of wine if you had popped the cork and drank it instead of thrown it on the ground. <laughs> that didn't occur to me at all. <laughs> well, maybe next time. I can't remember if it happens or not. Or if you eat the cactus if it's like peyote. Oh. So if you you can actually drink the oil. You can drink the motor fluid and the oil and nothing bad happens to you. You can drink it. I can't remember if anything bad happens to you or not. I, I think there are actually some things where if you eat them, you'll vomit. Really? Yeah. Well, what I would like is in the chef mode, if I end up vomiting, make sure to vomit towards the plate. Or into the blender. <laughs> oh, that's so gross. <laughs> uh, well done. Well done, Richard. <laughs> uh, now I'm reminded of the Monty Python skit at the end of near the end of the meaning of life oh yes oh yes that was so horrible yeah (laughs) yes it was (laughs) so uh what i found really funny in the office mode that the phone only had two buttons and the computer only had two buttons Mm -hmm. it's because they think the robots think in binary you only need two buttons (laughs) okay that's fair now I didn't get to try this out, but I know that they had the bird, kind of like uh, the bird that's the woodpecker that ends up pecking. Mm-hmm. Can you actually configure it to peck the keyboard? Well, you remember that episode of The Simpsons where Homer purposely gains weight to go on disability, and he ends up getting the woodpecker that just types Y mm. to release the gas over, or the release the radiation over and over again? Mm-hmm. What I'm curious is if you can do that within Job Simulator and get the woodpecker to essentially do your keyboard job for you. In that episode as well, uh, that Simpsons episode is really funny because uh, I remember the first day he's working there, he's typing Y-E-S to vent the radiation. And that's pretty much all he does is vent radiation all day. Mm -hmm. And then he discovers that he only has to type Y. Mm -hmm. And he's like, hey, Marge, I increased my productivity. (laughs) 
<laughs> I pre- increased my productivity by a factor of three. Yippee. And in some ways, that's the most computer programmer thing ever. <laughs> Automating job simulator. <laughs> oh, that's depressing. That that would be something. That, that's a total uh, human thing to do. The, the humans get bored because they don't have any jobs left because they're all taken by robots. So robots give humans jobs to do so they're not bored. And then the human automates it. <laughs> well, let's be real here. Human jobs in the future by overlord by robot overlords are pretty much solving a bunch of captchas over and over and over again. <laughs> I can see it now, a mobile game called Captcha Quest. Okay, now I have to see if this exists. My understanding is that in uh Amazon Mechanical Turk that there are people who solve captchas mm. that you can farm those out. <laughs> but an actual game. <laughs> You know what would be terrible, even more maniacal and devious, is that you make a capture quest game, but you have them go towards real captures. Yeah. So you basically bots are trying to go and spam something or do a denial of service attack, and you use the output from your capture quest game to <laughs> fill in these things. You're getting a whole bunch of, you know, uh a whole bunch of middle school kids who are bored on their break trying to solve captchas. I'm, I'm sure that would go over real well in the app store. <laughs> Maybe in the Android app store. There we go. The world is lucky that I am not an Android developer. Okay, moving on. The only thing is that it's kind of a, a bummer that it has to be in VR. That it's <laughs> one of those games where you have to have it in VR in order to do it. Because I would love it on a phone. I would love it on a phone. I would love it on a computer. I would love it on a TV. I just don't know how you would have a translate, right? I would play it on a plane. I would play it on a train. I would play it here or there. I would play it anywhere. Well, I mean, hey, um, there's Surgeon Simulator for VR. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> and it exists for non-VR platforms, but the controls are completely terrible. Yeah, but that's the point of the game. <laughs> The point of the game is despair and bad controls. Because it's it's more funny if you mess it up. Okay. The the next game that I had Mark try is a game called Moss, where you're basically a little mouse that runs through the forest solving puzzles. That was really neat. I mean, that had a high amount of polish on it. A ridiculous amount of polish. And, uh... It felt new. It felt kind of like in uh, Star Wars when they're playing chess. Or not not chess, but the... Uh, do you know the name of the game in Star Wars? I don't know. I just always called it Space Chess. Okay. Fair enough. So, yeah, it felt kind of like that, where you have something just open up in front of you. But uh, the really nice thing about it is in this game, you can still use controls. You're controlling a character the same way you would within a normal video game. It's just one of the main differences with it is that you have to kind of look around and move your head in order to get a grasp of what the whole level looks like. Yeah, so there might be something that in your normal view would be occluded, but they expect you to sort of shift around and look around corners to see the best path for the little mouse to go. And then the other big difference is the puzzles often involve using your actual hands to move stuff around. So you're like a, a benevolent spirit looking over this mouse 
to make sure that he can get past all of his challenges. Or maybe it's her. Is it her or him? Don't misgender the mouse. So you can get all around all of its challenges. <laughs> it uh, this game. I mean, the appeal of it is the immersion and having it in front of you. But I do feel like it would be possible to make this game on a non VR platform. Yeah, this one would be possible. If you have some kind of controls to be able to look a little bit, move your uh, head or field of view or perspective to either the left or the right, I feel like it could be done in this game. Yeah. So you'd lose a lot of the feel. Like, yeah. it, it does a really good job of making you feel like you're a small critter in a large forest. Um, a good example of that is when there's like this deer in the background. And if you're looking at it as a spectator, as someone else playing the game, it doesn't look like much. But when you're in the game, the deer looks pretty gigantic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, I mean, you're pretty low to the ground. You're more like 12 inches off the ground total. That's another thing with the VR is the way they have uh, the stereoscopic sight set up. It's set up to make you seem really small. But, I mean, I really liked it. I wish that I had more time to pretty much play through the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Just to see where it goes, what new mechanics there are, or what new game mechanics there are. Yeah, you only just had gotten into the fighting mechanic in it, so. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, does the game end up becoming more of a fighting style game later on? When you're uh, playing through it in later levels? There is certainly a lot more of it. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know that it. Re- I think it's still, it's still primarily is sort of puzzle platformy. I mean that that was a that was a big surprise to me. You know, like I imagined the game being just entirely a puzzle platformer based on how you start the game, and it's like, oh, oh yeah, there's enemies too. Kind of like how you told me in Stardew Valley that oh, you start off farming and then you're fighting monsters. <laughs> It's just kind of like, oh, all of these games, like, there seem to be a lot of games that have uh, a primary mechanic where, you know, you're either farming or you're um, solving puzzles, but then they throw in another mechanic where you're all of a sudden you're fighting. All right, moving on. Uh, A very closely related game to Quill because of its perspective is Lucky's Tale. Um, This one is sort of an action platformer, best compared to like Mario. It felt kind of like Super Mario 3D World, mm-hmm. but uh, the camera actually does move mm-hmm. in this. It's pretty much where you're not swinging around. You're kind of move. It's like you're stepping forward along with Lucky. It's it's like the the camera is on a rail or whatever, sliding along. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I find that it works pretty well for the type of game it is, but at the same time, it is one of those games that could be totally done not in VR. And and it was. Uh, it was originally a VR game, and then later it was remastered for the Xbox One. And I think you can actually play it as part of the Game Pass now. So, Oh, okay. Well, I actually I got a Game Pass for Christmas early Christmas present to myself, so <laughs> maybe I'll give it a shot. Yeah, it does work better in VR, but it's, it's worth trying it to compare. Are the graphics, uh, from what you can gather, are the graphics any better on the Xbox version? I haven't actually tried it on the Xbox version. Because, I mean, the graphics on this, from what I recall, they didn't seem that great. They seemed like an older game, like I'd say... 
eight to ten years old, okay. from what I recall on it. It, 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 it was the pack-in game for the Oculus. I mean, I suppose that makes sense, considering that it's, um, with Oculus, you generally have to run things in higher resolution in order to have it look good on your eyes. And so there'd be probably less detail. Okay, I mean, it's an okay game. It's not, it didn't strike me as a great game. It's kind of, it felt, uh, for lack of a better word, derivative. Yeah, it's very Mario. Yeah. Um, does this mean I have to apologize at the start of this episode? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you're good. Yeah, I don't think we have too much more to say about that one. I, I actually played all the way through Lucky's Tale, probably because I had just gotten the VR stuff at the time. And it was all new and fancy. And then a lot of some of the later levels are also a lot more entertaining uh, than the first level. And that's the only one you played. So, okay, let's let's move on. The next game was a game that's like won a number of awards, and unfortunately, Mark was not able to get through the tutorial. It's called Lone Echo. <laughs> I ended up getting sick. Because I ended up flinging myself a little bit too fast. That's too bad, because the game itself is really good. I mean, I'd probably end up giving it another shot at some point. So what did you think of the method of locomotion? I mean, that I loved. I thought that it was great that uh, in Lone Echo, you're pretty much in a zero-G environment, and you're using uh, your hands in order to either push on objects or to... um, or to pretty much navigate forward or backwards. You also end up having thrusters on there, but I mean, the thrusters seem kind of secondary to uh, what you were doing in there. Yeah, so you do your gross motion through the level by doing things like grabbing onto a wall and pushing yourself forward. Um, And then you do minor adjustments with the little hand thrusters. It was the closest thing that I've run into, which kind of tells you what it would like to be like to be in space. I mean, it felt, you know, like something that I haven't run into before. So, I mean, I can see why it won a whole bunch of awards. It was just there was this one part in the tutorial where we didn't know exactly what to do in order to get to the next screen. And I'm kind of moving around really fast. And I just, I felt it in my head. Yeah. Would have been nice if we could have gotten you through the, at least the intro. Next time I'll give it a shot. Maybe try that game last. Yeah, maybe. So the, the last thing that Mark tried before he had to run off to the airport was uh, the the pack-in game for the HTC Vive, but it also works on Oculus now. And that would be the, la- uh, the Lab, which is developed by Valve, which is sort of a collection of little experimental games. But as it is Valve game, it has ridiculous amounts of polish. Mm-hmm. And the first one was a, a game... Well, not really a game, more of like a little experience called uh, Robot Repair. Are you actually able to successfully repair a robot in that? I'm fairly certain you cannot. Okay, I feel better now. Yeah, you can go ahead and describe it. Yeah, so pretty much in the game, you have two of the robots from Portal 2 that end up coming out, and you have to repair one of them. So they're giving you instructions on how to pretty much crack open the unit. And uh, after a little bit of time, there is a countdown where you have to repair it within X amount of time before it ends up falling apart. At which po- at point, GLaDOS shows up and insults you and sends you on your way. The effect of that is a little bit bigger, though. 
especially yeah. when GLaDOS shows up because she is, I mean, when the first time I saw her, I'm like, wow, GLaDOS is big. Yeah. And I mean, you get that. I got that feeling a little bit more within Portal 2 that uh, when GLaDOS first shows up, she's a lot more looming in Portal 2. But still within this, when you're looking up at her as opposed to uh, just in the regular Portal 1, you kind of go into a giant room and you end up seeing her. Mm -hmm. I think the difference is as well is that within Portal 1, she's not as fluid. She's not the main eye that's there isn't really looking at you the same way. Mm -hmm. It's just kind of, in a lot of ways, it's a very static boss. Yeah, it definitely feels like her attention is directed at you in the little demo. (laughs) Her attention and her ire. But every time I play stuff like this, I think, make Portal 3. <laughs> but Valve is allergic to the number 3. Count to 3. We or know call it already. Call it Portal 4. Do something. <laughs> portal 2.9. Right. Then the, the next portal after that is called 2.99. Uh, <laughs> but anyhow, um, it's it's so sad because... Valve ends up getting this fan base. They end up getting a large fan base. They end up making games that uh, have these large universes in them that they can expand upon, that they can do things with. And what do they do with it? Nothing. They make little experimental demos. Yeah, they make experimental demos. And they rake in money from Steam. (laughs) This is the disadvantage to their flat structure. Why not do it? Why not do something with it? Why not make a cohesive game based in this universe that is, you know, to the same level of quality that you guys usually make? Because they're busy making Team Fortress hats. The very last thing that Mark tried was a little Valve archery game where there's lots of little 2D people that you shoot with arrows. It's cute. It's Kind of like a, a game I would expect on like Wii Sports, where it's kind of a mini game. Yeah. What What was your impression of like actually firing the arrows? It's really accurate. I mean, it feels accurate. I, I really liked for when you pull it back, how the controller vibrates, which feels like the additional, it's adding additional tension to the string. <laughs> I thought that was pretty well done. I also like the fact that you can light your arrows on fire. <laughs> That's a, that was a nice touch. Then there's the vat that uh, there's a target with like a vat of boiling oil that's on top. That's uh, right above the gate that you're trying to defend. So like a, I feel like uh, a bunch of people sat around at valve and said, Oh, let's make a tower defense game. Mm-hmm. Literally. Did you ever play um, Herzog's Y? No, it's an old uh, Genesis game. No, I'll have to. It's like it's like the it's it's one of the first like real time strategy games, and mm-hmm. you control a little jet that turns into a robot, and in the jet mode you can do things like um, pick make units and uh, drop them and uh, drop them off. Uh, you can pick them up and give them commands, or you can go over to like the enemy base and, uh, and like actually fire your weapons and stuff too. Huh. And uh, yeah, it was on the Genesis. I actually picked it up used for like $15 back in the day, and I got so much playtime out of it. 
Um, nice. But there's a modern game, Air Mac. Uh, there's a VR version of that uh, that works basically the same way. Hmm. And it was, it was pretty interesting to play as well. Now that you bring, did you say Air Mech as in like, mech, like Mech Warrior, that kind of thing? Now that you bring that up, a game like Old School Mech Warrior would be perfect for VR. There exists one of those too. That one's called uh, Vox Machina. If you go and look, search for it, there's, you'll, I'm sure you'll find a YouTube video, and it is very Mech Warrior-y. Nice. Very nice. VR is the natural progression of location for a game like Steel Battalion, I think. Did, did you ever play Steel Battalion? No, I haven't. You never played my giant controller? I don't think I have. I don't think so. So Steel Battalion, for those that are not familiar, was like this game where you got this ridiculous mech controller where all of the buttons light up and then the, the, the mechs that you're in, you're like watching things through like a fuzzy, grainy TV that gets messed up as you get shot. And it is, it is very, very simmy. Think like a home version of those like virtual pods that they had uh, in some places. I, I I should bring that out and hook it up to my Xbox and show you because it was it was an it was an original Xbox game. I think I remember the controller. I just don't remember playing it at all. You get this warm fuzzy feeling when your mech boots up because like all of the buttons like go and light up in a particular pattern on a controller, <laughs> and you have like this eject button that's like under a little piece of glass. So you open it up and you press the eject <laughs> button. <laughs> okay. That's really cute. So this episode of aliens land here was all follow up. Thank you for listening to aliens land here. Oh man. I, I don't even have anything good to say about our Patreon subscribers today. Step up your game, man. <laughs> <laughs> But thank you anyway. Uh, f- follow us on Twitter, Aliens Land Here, and visit us at alh.fm. Later. See you. <laughs> Yesterday, like my legs were feeling sore. I'm like, I didn't go running earlier this week. Why are my legs feeling sore? And then I remembered, oh, yeah, I played two hours of Beat Saber with my family last night. It make your legs sore? Oh, because you're doing the squats and you're ducking under stuff. Yeah. And well, also like shifting from side to side and stuff like that, too. And I I, I play a lot of levels with um bent knees uh, just to make myself more mobile and able to do some of the bigger swings more easily. Just so you're prepped. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and mm. so that probably has something to do with it, too. And I, I figured out... Um, I sent you a message about this, but the, I figured the scoring system, well, I looked at a instructions on the scoring system and basically it rewards you for having wider swings. So if you go like 90 degrees before hitting the block, you get the full set of 70 points for en- block entry. And then if you continue your swing another 60 degrees beyond that, you get full points for block or for block exit. And then you get another 10 points for hitting as close to the center of the block as possible. Oh, so it wants you to be as precise as pro- uh, 
precise as possible, and it also wants you to be as active as possible. Yeah, so it sort of, yeah, so it rewards the the more entertaining style of play. Actually, mm-hmm. that's actually really smart. I, I think it's a, a a good way to do the system. It would be kind of nice if they also included the radius if you're swinging into the scoring system, but then you run into the problem where shorter people would be at a disadvantage. What do you mean when you say radius? I mean, you want it where you're slicing the block towards the end of the saber? Is that kind of what you're saying there? So right now, the it counts the number of degrees rotated, but not mm-hmm. like if it was going around a circle. or be, So if you like do a real swing of something, then your your arm is going to go around in a circle that is of a particular radius. But if you just rotate your wrists, it will be a much smaller radius. So if you uh, ha- include the radius of the swing in the scoring system, then you can avoid just rewarding people who have very flexible wrists. Yeah, especially people who are double-jointed there. Is that what you're thinking? <laughs> <laughs> um, and also, like, if if you are just using your wrists, then you're not being as active. Yeah. Though, I mean, they. Pro- I imagine they probably tried that as well and just found some sort of disadvantages that made it less fun. Um, have you seen if they're planning any other updates to the game? Um, they are. They're still in early access, so I imagine there's probably going to be a number more updates. Yeah, I'm just hoping that they don't close the piracy loophole. <laughs> I did an update to the game, or I automatically did an update to the game via the Oculus Store. And when I went into the game, they, again, like all of the little add-on tracks were gone. I'm like, ah! <laughs> and uh but all i had to do is go back out to the the mod manager and reinstall the plugins and it worked fine again what do you think the odds are that they'll keep it in where it's easy to do mods fairly high i'm pretty sure okay my l- like i said in the previous podcast the worst case scenario is you have to provide your own audio files but i don't think that it'll go away entirely I don't know what the people on PSVR do, because there's a PSVR version of Beat Saber as well. So, I mean, do they have the same thing where they're able to play custom tracks, or it's not? Or no? Not as... I I mean, I have no idea how that would even work. Because you use, like, an external tool to even enable it. I mean, I remember that uh, people had versions of Guitar Hero 2 with special songs on there. And what they were doing is they did some kind of they did some kind of change to the disc where they ended up loading their own songs. Hmm. So, I mean, I was kind of interested in doing it, but just the amount of effort that it took to do it, it just wasn't worth it for me. Yeah. There does not appear to be any mods for the PSVR version. Yeah. Figure as much. I think it does have a couple of extra songs uh, built in. Nothing like the, what hundreds or thousands of songs people have made for this one. Right. But I mean, you're kind of lucky as a developer if you have that much enthusiasm Mm -hmm. where people are pretty much porting dozens or hundreds of tracks into your game. Yeah, they are, I think, the either the number one or number two selling game for uh, Oculus as well and probably uh, Steam as well. Yeah, I believe it. Oculus, round two. View. Oculus, round two. Get dizzy. Oculus, round two. Fight? (laughs) 
I'm so confused. <laughs>